Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Silver Savage Podcast. Uh, this one's a little different, um, we call it special I suppose, but I am recording this on Saturday, October 7th. Uh, this will drop Monday, October 9th, so two days prior. And all of my plans of what I wanted to record uh, went out the window in a sense. And uh, I'm going to talk about what's going on in Israel today. So with that... Welcome to another episode of the Silver Savage Podcast. So, Israel, it's a mess. And I'll be honest, I uh, initially wanted to embed a bunch of videos and images that uh, I've been receiving from uh, family and friends, and especially if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, so you can see some of the realities. But then I realized that, A, YouTube may actually block it. Uh, B, that it is, um, some of it is not for general consumption, uh, either because it's too graphic or honestly, there is just some stuff that should not be out there in public. So you are stuck watching my face instead, but I will be, uh, describing some of the things and, um, this is unscripted, 100%, uh, based off of events that started if it is now about 4 p.m. here, so about 11 o'clock or midnight uh, of this past night. So been going on for about 16, 17 hours, uh, roughly. So it is still fresh. There's still a lot of information that's about to come out. And certainly by Monday when you guys listen to this, uh, some of the information is going to be different. Uh, but based on what we know now, um, I want to give a little description. And I'm going to break this podcast into two parts. Uh, one of them would be just my description of the events. The other uh, part of it will be um, a little more personal and tying it to the Silver Savage podcast in the sense of um, I'm going to share my feelings uh, about uh, what am I doing and how am I dealing uh, with some of the events that are going on. So let's start with the description of the event. At about 11 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time or about 6 a.m. Israel time, a bunch of Palestinian terrorists, Hamas, um, decided to penetrate Israel. They did that by air in terms of sea gliders, by sea in terms of little vessels, and by land by taking bulldozer and essentially plowing through the uh, fences and walls that were separating the Gaza Strip from the Jewish settlements around it. Listen, I don't care where your political view lies, and if you are one of those that the poor Palestinians, they are uh, oppressed by uh, Israel or by even their own people, uh, first of all, you got to be educated, but more importantly, none of that matters at this point. I certainly used to be one of those that uh, gave them the benefit of the doubt, even with my service in Israel, in the military, and dealing with some of them, I always used to say that it is only the leadership that's an issue in some of the terror groups, but the reality is that the majority of the population is innocent and uh, really is just suffering from the consequences of an ongoing battle and the actions of their own leadership, right? So if you think about it, the Gaza uh, Strip, the Palestinians, get billions of dollars in aid, uh, supposed to be used for infrastructure and better their lives, and the reality is that they haven't done any of it because the terror organizations take all that money being sent by the U.S. and other uh, national players, sorry, international players, and they use it to build terror tunnels, to fund terror operations, to buy firearms and weapons. Um, so it was certainly the leadership in the terror that used to be the issue. 
the events today changed my view. Um, I don't care how innocent the population is. First of all, we're talking thousands of people overrunning these uh, borders between the Gaza Strip and the uh, Jewish settlement. So it's not just a small percentage or a small group. And the other thing, what happened today was coordinated for months. This is a well-calculated uh, event. And there's no way that people over there with how complex this was and how many people were involved, no way that people did not know or had the opportunity to do something about it and chose not to. So as far as I'm concerned, and I, I wanted to say I apologize if I offend anybody, but I really don't. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they are all guilty right now. Uh, so as I said, at about 6 a.m. Israel time, they infiltrated Israel. Uh, and what makes this event extremely heinous, um, aside from the fact that it is the Sabbath, so it's a holiday for the Jewish uh, people, and on top of that, a holiday, one of the main ones, this is the one where we receive the Torah. Uh, and uh, Sorry, this is not the one where we receive the Torah, that's the word. This is the one where we end reading the Torah. So if you go to synagogue, uh, you read the, the, the scripture uh, over the period of a year, and then at uh, this holiday, you finish the reading, and you start afresh for the next year. Uh, so big holidays, a lot of people were home celebrating with their families. Uh, nobody was prepared for that. We're going to talk about the intelligence side of things in a minute. But the Palestinians came in to complete advantage of it and started massacring people, literally massacring. At this point, so about, uh, as I said, about 16, 17 hours in, over 250 people dead. These are civilians. We're talking elder people, we're talking kids, talking women and men. Uh, these Palestinians not only shot people in the streets, but went into people's houses and killed them there. So, so this is not, I don't care how you look at this uh, Palestinian problem, or so-called, right? Uh, this is straight out homicides, this is a massacre, uh, this should be punishable by death, and no other way of putting it. Uh, aside from the about 250 uh, people that were killed as of this moment, over 1,500 injured at hospitals, many of them in critical condition. And the worst part in my mind is the hundreds that were kidnapped by Hamas and taken back to Gaza. Kids, um, as I said, I wanted to post footage and I'm choosing not to, but footage of kids being paraded down the streets of Gaza as uh, prisoners of war, these are kids that are being torn away from the family, kids that are afraid, crying, uh, that are now being held by these terror organizations as bargaining chips. Uh, but it's not just kids, uh, it's everybody. I'm going to say everybody, uh, there are images and videos of police officers that were kidnapped, soldiers that were kidnapped, tank crews, uh, essentially these terrorists took over military bases, um, to taken tank crews out of their tanks and uh, took them hostages. So, obviously horrifying. Uh, generally speaking, regardless of who you are, but certainly as an Israeli living in America watching this, um, it's heart-wrenching. So, a few questions that came up, and again, talking about situations as a whole. First of all, the intelligence mishap. How did Israel got lulled into this sense of reasonable calmness and thinking that nothing is going to happen right now. Um, this resembles what many compare to the Yom Kippur War 1973, where Israel was attacked by nations from three sides, um, completely unprepared during the holiday of Yom Kippur, 
which was 50 years ago, almost to the day, we are a couple weeks apart um, from the holiday itself, and if we follow the Gregorian um, calendar, we're, we're a couple days apart, right? So we essentially, 50 day marked by repeating the same type of intelligence mishap, where we believe that nothing is gonna happen, well, and obviously something did, something major, something huge that's been planned for months, um, and we did not know about this. So uh, huge miss up that I'm sure some heads are going to roll uh, following this uh, within the intelligence community, within the government, within the high-ranking officials of military and so forth about uh, not capturing this as it was. Um, more so, and this is spoken from the perspective of just the the low, memen, the low person on the uh, totem pole, uh, the operator in me, that is thinking how the hell did military bases and police stations get overtaken by terrorists how did nobody fight back um, how did we allow them to be captured i mean these terrorists took over bases that are loaded with tanks um how how were they not shot on site as that happened and i'm being a monday morning quarterback right now no doubt about it and i am sitting comfortably 9,000 miles away and in the comforts of right now in my camper in south of Annapolis, Maryland, completely removed from all of this. And I hate doing this. And I, I ask some of my contacts in Israel, some people in the military, police and friends uh, that are there. And essentially the answer is we're just unprepared. I mean, these bases were at a skeleton crew because uh, of the holiday and the weekend. So a lot of them were relieved to go home and be with their families. And those that stayed essentially uh, possibly tried fighting them off. But when you have a crew of a couple dozen people and you're being attacked by hundreds, if not thousands of people that are matching you weapon for weapon and are well trained. So don't think for a second that these Hamas terrorists are just a ragtag of, uh, of hoodlums. Uh, the reports coming from people... Uh, in the front lines right now fighting house to house to rescue some of these hostages because they are still uh, these terrorists are still in houses with uh, civilians and in some of these towns uh, but these uh, hostage rescue teams and these are some of the tier one top operators in the country are coming up with comments saying we are not fighting the same all terrorist group these people are equipped with the same weaponry we have they are trained to a much higher standard uh, so when you think about it, when operators of that caliber attack a base uh, with superior manpower, uh, they will have the upper hand, right? So um, I feel bad for the soldiers and police officers that were in those stations and bases. Uh, many of them were killed, uh, and those that weren't are uh, were taken hostages, uh, which essentially was going to force Israel to either negotiate or... Uh, try to rescue them, which is going to be a lengthy and painful, painful process. Uh, so that is where we stand right now. Uh, Israel is mobilizing as we speak. I'm seeing footage of tanks being mobilized towards the Gaza Strip. Um, Israel recalled uh, tens of thousands of reservists to, uh, to get back to their units. Platoons, special operations, everybody is being moved. All eyes are also uh, looking north right now towards the border with Lebanon, where Hezbollah is, which has not acted as of yet, but may very well try and take advantage 
uh, of the situation down south in Gaza. Um, so a lot of military planning and operationally um, activities uh, are taking place as of this moment. The thought is this is going to be a landfill war. Uh, this is not going to be a quick operation like we've seen in the past when Hamas fires thousands of rockets to Israel. We go in and just clear a few of the nests where Hamas is and and uh, take over some of the um, the rocket launchers. This is going to be a full-out war. Uh, this is against a whole population of people. So there certainly will be some civilians there that are innocent, but for the most part, we are fighting a well-organized militia that has one goal and one goal only, and that's to hurt Israel as much as possible. Uh, Gaza is a very complex environment. It is extremely dense, um, where fighting is a close-quarter battle to the extreme um, against people that are well fortified, uh, fortified, sorry, well trained, and obviously well equipped. So um, it's going to be a painful, lengthy process. The question begs: Why would they do it? Because the reality is that Hamas, with all of its improvements in weaponry and tactics, is no match to the idea of one of the strongest militaries in the world, one of the most advanced technologically uh, militaries in the world. So the question, the question certainly comes up: What, what is it in there, in it for them to gain? Because the reality is, I'm saying the reality is a lot. I need to check my vocabulary, but the point being made, see how I change that? Point being made is that they went into it knowing that they are going to drag Israel into a war, at least an operation that is going to be devastating for them. So why would they do it? So these are uh, the thought process, and this is not just mine, this is me discussing this with other people and getting their opinions as well. Uh, option number one is it was just an opportunistic uh, operation based on the fact that Israel is pretty divided right now and unprepared uh, with all the internal turmoil that Israel had between um, the left and the right over the past few months. If you guys remember, um, Israel Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu was uh, trying to pass a law uh, that would essentially eliminate the check and balances processes that the Supreme Court has over the government. Israel does not have a constitution. Israel does not have a house in a Senate like America. So the only system for checking balances in Israel is the Supreme Court. There was a movement by the right to try and remove some of that power from the Supreme Court. Obviously, people in the opposition, being on the left side, uh, did not want it because that, that would create, in theory, a possible di dictatorship. Now, I am not going to get into that, and I'll be honest, I do not understand that enough. This is a complex issue, but it created some very significant strife within Israel and a lot of... Um, a lot of separation between the people, even to the point that the military, uh, certain units, a lot of pilots said that they will not report to duty, um, including reserve duty, uh, until this, uh, this law that, was, that they were trying to pass until it was taken off the table and uh, omitted. So option number one is Hamas was just, this is an opportunity, the country is divided, let's seize it, let's see how much damage we can do. Um, that may or may not be true. The reality is that this has been planned for a while. Uh, this was way too well coordinated. And I don't know that the actions of the past couple months, few months, um, were the catalyst for that. 
So that is one. Number two is just that they are flat out morons. Um, the reality is their organization that is fueled by emotion um, is not always thinking bigger picture. Now, they're not dummies uh, for the most part, so I don't know how much credibility I give to that. But it very well may be that it was just, we, we're going to do it because we can and we don't care about the consequences, which would have been stupid on their end, and uh, time will tell. Option number three, and this is the scariest option of them all, is the fact that, uh, or the possibility, that this is an Iranian-backed proxy war. Understanding that a lot of these terror organizations, from Hamas to Hezbollah, are sponsored and supported by Iran, the possibility is that they were encouraged to be essentially scapegoats and start this to drag Israel into an all-out war, which potentially would drag other nations around the Middle East into a war uh, in support of the Palestinians uh, against Israel. So Israel will be fighting multiple wars, which may get Iran to... Um, to be dragged into the war as well, or at least have an excuse to come to the war. And Iran, as you all know, is trying to get a nuclear uh, weapon or become a nuclear power. It is unknown, or I don't think there's a definite, whether or not they already are. They may already have a, a nuclear weapon, or they may be close to it, or they may be years away, who knows. But the reality is that the possibility is there. Israel does have nuclear weapons. But if you think just on the pure size, right, of geography, number of people, and so forth, if we are dragged into a nuclear war, Israel may have even second strike capabilities with some of its nuclear-capable uh, submarines. But the reality is that if Iran drops a nuclear bomb on Israel, Israel is gone. If Israel drops a nuclear bomb on Iran, there's still plenty of Iran left, uh, plenty of Arabs left, uh, it is not going to harm them as bad. I know I'm oversimplifying it and I'm doing it for purposes of this uh, podcast to keep it short, but uh, that is kind of like the f extreme uh, possibility to why this is happening. So that is where we are now. Israel has been hurt badly, um, caught, uh, another way of saying it, with the pants around their ankles unprepared. Uh, this will change a lot of things, no doubt, uh, within Israel's doctrine, uh, the way we deal with Hamas and the Palestinians. Um, I would expect a lengthier, harsher war. Uh, there's going to be casualties on both sides, already have been. Um, Israel's been recapturing some of these towns and some of these bases, killing dozens and hundreds of these terrorists, but they're going to go into Gaza. Uh, if they don't go into Gaza, the uprising within Israel is going to be uh, outrageous. Um, the civilian population is not willing to tolerate anymore. Um, they've been dealing with year, for years with rockets being fired over. Uh, this day alone, over, uh, I believe, last count, over 3,000 rockets in the last day uh, from Gaza into um, Israel, including cities as Tel Aviv that, for the most part, were um, unharmed. Um, they've been bombarded uh, today. So... Um, after events like today, Israel would have no choice but to go in and and really clean house. And when I say clean house, uh, this is my own personal opinion. Again, sitting in the safety of my house 9,000 miles away, but I hope Gaza becomes a new parking lot. Uh, that's, that's all I have to say about that. So where do I stand? Um, 
it is 4.30 in the uh, afternoon here on a Saturday. Um, I just spoke to my family. Uh, it's 11.30 at night there. Um, they want to go to sleep. They can't as uh, rockets keep dropping, alarms keep sounding, and everybody is uh, having panic attacks and afraid uh, of falling asleep and potentially not waking up. So it is, uh, it's hard to help. Um, I will share one thing with you. I hope my family does not uh, hold it against me. This is a conversation I had with my niece. Uh, my niece is 15 years old. And she she sent me a message. She goes, Tviel, which is my actual name, right? Listen, I'm really scared. But mom is really stressed out. And I don't want to stress her anymore. What should I do? How do you answer a call or a message from a 15-year-old year old telling you they're scared and they don't want to bother their mother because their mother is overstressed as is on, on her own and she's still trying to care for her children? My answer was, sweetheart, I'm sorry. Are you with mom now? Are you at home? Uh, they do split custody. Um, my sister is divorced, so I, uh, I wanted to check. And she goes, yes. Um, my father is coming soon. I'm like, all right, take a deep breath. Go give your mother a big hug. Don't say anything. Just hug and hold uh, so she can feel you and you can feel her. And she said, all right, what do you say? So I am here and tying you to the old Silver Savage theme that we've been discussing for the past two years since we started this podcast. What it's like to be a warrior without a war. The warrior poet, the uh, the alpha type that is sidelined. Uh, my wife sees me today and she knows I'm not handling it very well. I am eager to go back. I, I realize I'm not 18 year olds anymore and uh, there are younger, better people than I ever was uh, doing the work. But sitting here is, it's hard. Um, so I have a bag that's uh, packed with my gear. I'll even bring my own bullets. Um, I just need someone to let me know that I can go. I am overwhelmed by the support I receive from family and friends all day today. Um, people that were members, people that I met once for an hour, uh, people that I've known for years, everybody messaging me and asking me, how is my family doing? How am I doing? telling me their prayers are with Israel. Um, so I, I, I do appreciate all of it. I sincerely do. I did not answer everybody. There have just been literally hundreds of them coming through today. Um, I am I'm ready to put it out there and say, listen, if you want, let's get a team together. Let's, uh, let's get our stuff together. And let's go help. <coughs> Excuse me. But I know that just me talking because first of all logistically uh, airports are closed so because of the rockets being fired you can't land airplanes in Israel at the moment uh, commercial airplanes so uh, it's not gonna be possible of doing but also the logistics of bringing troops in uh, is not that simple I would assume if things escalate and do become multi-front uh, war um, like happened in the past, there are probably going to be opportunities for uh, volunteers, um, 
certainly on the first responder side so i know there's programs for firefighters and ems to go and assist as most firefighters and ems in israel are being pulled out of their duties to go and augment their reserve units in the military um, so they can be replaced or backfilled by uh, ems and firefighters from america but in prior wars we also had uh, groups of warriors go and fight and if that happens um, I'm saying it here, I'm saying it now. I say it to my wife earlier. It's going to be hard to leave my family here. But sitting on the sideline, it's painful. Um, Israel is a country I love. Even though I live here, never lost ties with it. My whole family, aside from the one I created for myself here, is still there. I have a lot of friends. I see a lot of them being called right now. And you feel honestly like... Uh, like a no good loser sitting on the sideline and not being to help, not being able to help. And, and I know that even though I'm older and not as fast as I once was, and I don't probably have the latest gear like some of the special operate, uh, operation units in Israel now do, but I can still contribute and help. And I, in the, to the depths of my heart, I just want to go and do it right now. And it's painful to um, to see it or not be able to do so. So that's where I stand. Uh, if you, if anything changes and you guys want to join me, more than welcome. Anyways, I'm gonna let it be. Uh, this was more of a personal rant, trying to bring uh, to light some of the realities of what's going on over there right now. I want to thank everybody that's been listening. I want to thank everybody that's been reaching out today. Um, Please do keep your prayers and thoughts with Israel uh, for the next couple of uh, days, weeks, however long this takes. Uh, keep in mind the families that have lost loved ones. Some are dead, some are injured, some are kidnapped and held as hostages and prisoners of war. Um, actually, prisoners of war is not the right term, right? They are straight out hostages uh, by these terror organizations. And uh, let's pray for... Uh, quick and as painless of a resolution as possible on the side of Israel and hopefully once and for all put an end to this Gaza Strip nuisance and an issue that it has been for the past 30 years. In the meantime, stay savage. <laughs>